Warning, the following podcast has been classified as insanely lucrative. Listener discretion is advised. And then they're going to they're gonna require specifications. So if your skill set doesn't allow you to actually create the specifications they need, whatever that might be, uh, you need maybe, let's say, a technical illustrator or whatever, you can get these people on a couple sites. Your attention, please, please. Listening to the AMPM podcast may cause recurring revenue streams and unfair unfair advantages over your competitors. Other side effects may include better wallets, fired bosses, and longer vacations. Listen at your own risk. Here's your host, seven-figure entrepreneur and online marketing madman, Manny Coates. Manny Coates. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates and I will be your host. And this is the show where we discuss how to generate recurring revenue streams that come in 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM. As a matter of fact, I will be going to wine tasting tonight, local little event. And while I am wine tasting, I will be making money. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. I am here with Guillermo Puyol. Guillermo, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Manny. What's up, man? You know, same old stuff. The hustling and the grinding, trying to make a buck and retire, I don't know, this year? No, I can't do that. I got too much to do. Yeah, don't retire this year, man. <laughs> so, uh, what are you wearing, Guy? Man, if... I'm Forget about it. Don't answer that question. <laughs> all right, because I thought we wanted to keep it PG. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So, we've got... Um, this is Q&A, right? So we normally do Q&A on Thursdays, but we got slammed yesterday and we we're having some, uh, some issues, some technical issues, I guess, with some of the hardware. So we're doing it today. We're going to post it up, but uh, we should be back on schedule for Thursdays. But today, uh, what, what do you have? Two questions for this particular podcast? Yeah, I have uh, two questions that came from our group. The first one is by our buddy Steve Raken from Raken Profit. Steve Raken, love that guy. You and I uh, sat down with him at Traffic and Conversion. Uh, had some, we were going to have some lunch, ran out of time. But um, good guy, smart. He's actually been throwing some plugs out for us, which is super appreciated. Yeah, man. I mean, back in the day, I, I was always listening to Steve Raken when I when I was doing retail arbitrage. That's where I hear from him and his YouTube channel. And I've learned a ton from the guy. And it's so cool to now be able to hopefully help him out a little bit with his new venture into private label. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's play his uh, question and then we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more about retail arbitrage for those that don't know what what it is. You can kind of give the the 30 second bit on it and then we'll answer the question. How's that? Yeah, that's cool. All right, here we go. Hey, what's going on, Manny? And what's going on, Guy? If you're listening, this is Steve Rakin. Had a quick question for you guys. Uh, but first off, I want to thank you for the podcast. Been listening over the last couple of weeks, and it's been really, really helpful. So uh, super pumped uh, to be asking this question live on the show. But my question was, so I just ordered my samples. They should be getting in in a few days. Once I start getting my samples and I find the supplier and the, and the product that I want to purchase, how do you suggest that I pay for the actual uh, first batch of products? I've been hearing a lot of different ways people pay, either through PayPal, there's the escrow, I believe it's through Alibaba, there's people doing wire trans- transfers. What's the easiest and safest way that somebody who's brand spanking new to this business 
can be able to order their products safely, to be able to have protection, and to go a step further, should I you know, pay 30% up at, at, at the front and then pay 70 at the end? Any advice, I'd greatly appreciate it. Manny, Gee, thank you so much, and hopefully you can answer this question. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Thank you, Steve, for that question. Awesome, awesome question. Lots of people are going through this process where you're at right now. So um, before we answer that question, though, Guy, Steve's really heavily into retail arbitrage and he's now moving into private label. But real quick, for those that don't know what retail arbitrage is, can you explain that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Retail arbitrage is taking advantage of the difference in price points on two different marketplaces. So for example, if you were to go to Walmart, you may be able to find items that you can purchase at a low price, send uh, to Amazon and resell those at a higher price. Uh, That's typically if you're doing uh, arbitrage using uh, fulfilled by Amazon. You can also do arbitrage uh, for for used items like from thrift shops or garage sales uh, you can purchase those used items, list them on eBay, and sell them for usually very high margins. It's a great model, especially if you're starting out with little capital to invest. And if you have a lot of time and not that much uh, capital, definitely look into retail arbitrage because you'll be able to go every Friday and Saturday to, to garage sales, buy some used items that are still in good condition, list them on eBay, and then make a nice profit. So it takes a lot of hustle. It's a little bit hard to scale, but I'm not knocking the model because there's people that are killing it on it. Yeah, I was just going to say, that sounds like it's a crazy grind like to keep going out because you would have to, like for me, I have a product, I create a listing once, and then I'm done. You know, I just kind of build that product up over the course of you know, the year or whatever. With this, with retail arbitrage, you're constantly going out and creating new listings. And then if you run out of that particular inventory and you can't find any more of it, you got to move on to the next product and the next one, right? Because I don't do retail arbitrage and I know you have. Yeah. If you're lucky, you can find uh, what people refer to as replenishables where, for example, if you find these cookies that you can source locally and then sell them with a nice margin and you can always go back and buy more cookies. I mean, that's arbitrage in every sense of the word and it's a little bit more manageable, but the problem is that you don't control the the supply. You don't control the inventory. You have to count on the fact that the store is not gonna change the price on you, count on the fact that they're gonna keep reordering it. And also you have to count on the fact that whenever you source an item and you send it to Amazon, uh, nobody has dropped like people can jump onto the listing because it's a it's a product that's that can be sold for mo- by multiple people it's not your own private label product so somebody out there can go in and drop the price and then becomes a race to the bottom so right. there's a lot of variables again uh, not knocking the model but it, it is definitely a hustle yeah yeah so that's a that's a really good point though if you have your own private label product you're controlling that buy box essentially, unless, unless you have a hijacker or something like that coming on. But when you're doing retail arbitrage and you're selling what, let's say it's a you know, Lego set or something like that, you can have 10 people that have that same Lego set that they picked up locally at their stores and they're all, you're all competing on price for that buy box. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So let's go, uh, let's, let's answer his questions. Um, first of all, Steve was asking about the standard payment terms, whether it's 30, 70. 
The answer to that is yes. That's pretty standard for just about everybody that I've actually dealt with uh, in China. And that's where the majority of my suppliers are from. It's 30% down, 70% um, when they when they finish prior to them actually shipping. Now that I've been working with, or I've been buying from some of my suppliers for a while and paying them large amounts on, on some of these products, I'm able to negotiate it down. Um, I could probably get them to negotiate even further, but I asked for 10%. I was like, hey, let me do 10% down and 90% when you finish. And then they, uh, they countered uh, 28. So I paid 20% up front, 80% on the back end. This is for my biggest supplier. Uh, for the smaller ones, I'm pretty much always paying up 100% up front. It's, you know, if it's just a few thousand dollars in the scheme of things for where we're at, just pay up front, boom, and then, then we're done. In terms of the safest and easiest way to pay. Hmm, okay, so there's a couple things. I would say PayPal is probably the easiest way, right? Because you can just go in, you pay it, and you're done. Um, it's also pretty safe it, to some extent. Um, so PayPal has this crazy protection, um, what do you call it, they're... I guess it's part of their terms of service. They offer 180 days to file a dispute, right? Six months, guys, that's crazy. So if there's an issue within six months, you could actually go to them, file a dispute, they'll open up a case, and then they'll go through and actually try to uh, figure out what's going on, and almost always you're gonna win. It's it's hard for somebody who sells something to actually win, at least that's what I've seen. It's it's uh, difficult. Now, the supplier's probably not gonna like this, right? Uh, like pay, PayPal, because there's fees with PayPal and they're gonna have to pay those. So in my experience, when I try to go to them and say, hey, let's do PayPal, they always come back and say, well, we can't do it because of the fees or they'll say, well, if you pay for the fees, then we'll do it. And you have to think about that. If your margins are good enough and you want that protection, then maybe pay it. You know, if the, whatever the percentage is, let's say it, it comes out to 5%. If you're willing to pay that to get that PayPal coverage and to make everything easy, then go for it. But be careful. There's a couple things that Amazon, sorry, not Amazon, PayPal, uh, that PayPal doesn't cover. One of the things they say on their website is that if the product is custom made and you don't get it, right, it just doesn't show up and it's a custom made product, uh, they technically don't cover it. All right, so just make sure you get everything in writing. Be really clear about what you're supposed to be getting. You know, have it all described and, and written out and you should be pretty safe. Now, what I do, and one of the other things that I think uh, one of the options that um, I think is really attractive to a lot of people is that Alibaba offers trade assurance, okay? And we've talked about this before in, in, in various podcasts. But what trade assurance is, is uh, it's, a, it's an insurance that, uh, that Alibaba is giving you to ensure that their supplier, and it's usually a gold supplier that's been with them for a couple years, two years, three years, four years, somebody that they know is safe. They are basically guaranteeing that what you're ordering, the money that you're, you're wiring in to them, the TT service, they call it, right, um, is gonna be protected. So I use this every time when I'm dealing with my supplier. And in these cases, I just pay, typically I'll pay the full, when I'm starting out with somebody, I just pay the full amount up front because this money is essentially going into an escrow account with Alibaba. And they, Alibaba makes sure that the conditions that you set out with them, Okay, and I usually do uh, post conditions. So I, I have an inspection, make sure everything's good. Um, but all of those conditions are met. And then at that point, the money's released to them. So, and that's another thing. A lot of people don't know this. Alibaba has a list of third-party inspectors that's listed on their site. So you can go there, you can find somebody that's in the city where your, your manufacturer, your supplier is, okay? And you can hire these guys and they'll come out and they'll take photos and video and they'll make sure that um, the product that you 
that they just finished making for you that they're about to put on a boat or ship to you via express air or whatever the case is they'll make sure that the packaging is right you know because you're going to be seeing this stuff they'll make sure that the product matches the sample that you got or whatever the conditions or criteria is that that you've decided you might have gotten a sample and said well i want I want that, the color to be blue, so that'll be different. But they'll verify everything and make sure that before it gets sent out, it looks like it's supposed to be. So those are the two things I would say. You know, PayPal's one, uh, Alibaba trade or uh, Alibaba and using trade assurance is the second thing. And then yeah, standard 30, 70% is is pretty normal. Awesome, Manny. So I think I think that answers uh, Steve's question. And again, thank you, Steve, for for the question. We also have a question from Brandon Fields. He's he's one of our loyal Periscope attendees. He was, he's always on Periscope and he's a member of the Facebook group. And he says, you kind of touched on this in your last Periscope. I'd like to hear about your process to get an item customized. I like the whole idea of private labeling something, but what really intrigues me is taking existing products and providing added value by customizing. I had reached out to a couple of manufacturers on Alibaba with a very rough specification, which I quickly realized wasn't detailed enough for the suppliers, and I really need some help. Mm, okay, all right, that's a great question too. So I guess if you're, if you're dealing with a supplier that is large enough and does enough volume and, and has the technical know-how to customize things, um, and I, I mentioned that because there's a lot of suppliers out there that just can't do it. They believe me, we've tried. You, you go to them and you say, "I want you to do this, this, and this," and and it's just a mess. And what you end up getting in the end is is just terrible. And a lot of the companies that you deal with on Alibaba are um, trade companies, so they a lot of times they won't they won't even do that that kind of stuff. So you find the right company, and then they're gonna they're gonna require specifications. So if you have no if your skill set doesn't allow you to actually create the specifications they need, whatever that might be, uh, you need maybe, let's say, a technical illustrator or whatever, you can get these people on a couple sites. I, there's a lot of sites out there, but the cheapest one would be Fiverr.com. Everybody has heard of Fiverr, I think, by now. F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Everything's typically $5, and then uh, it goes up from there if you start adding on little things. But you can find a technical illustrator, and if I'm not mistaken i believe brandon fields has actually gone to fiverr now uh, we, we talked on on periscope and uh, he did find somebody on there so his his question was answered and uh or at least his he, he has a solution now and he said the guy was was awesome right he's chatting about his product and um everything's awesome so that's fiverr you can also go to upwork now upwork is going to really open up the floodgates in terms of the type of people you, that you can find that can do everything from cad work and technical drawings and whatever it is that you need to customize the product that you're coming out with. So upwork.com is awesome. I actually did, uh, I was talking about some really cool, I call them little ninja strategies on Periscope in regards to Upwork to find the right person, especially if it's going to be somebody that you're working with long-term. If you're just doing it once, you know, a technical illustrator or something like that, then uh, maybe just hire somebody and, and see what happens but if you're hiring a graphic artist long term there's certain things you can do i would hire definitely hire more than one person and compare two people at you know against each other the, the amount of time it takes them to do stuff and then kind of get rid of the guy that's that costs you the most yeah uh something i've i've done on on upwork especially when i'm hiring uh people is i describe my 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 request i guess and somewhere hidden within that the request i say 
if you would like to be considered for this job, reply with a keyword. So I say awesome, awesome artists, or just we, I give them a very specific keyword that I want them to reply with. And that helps me filter out a big percentage of the people that just uh, reply with a can't response, uh, which I hate. You take the time to describe the job thoroughly and they, they come back with a standard letter that, that just tells me that they didn't take the time to to read my requirements and they say, yeah, we can do it. So using that, that, little, that little tip has helped me filter out a lot of people that are not gonna have the attention to detail. If if they take the time to actually read through your job description, ensure that they understand it, and they reply with a keyword, I know that they read through it, I know that they have attention to detail, and it, right off the bat, it filters out a lot of the frogs that you can that you have to kiss, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and so we have similar techniques then, because I do the same thing. I'll, I'll say probably the next to the last sentence, I'll say, when you respond to this, the first thing I want you to, uh, to do is address me as Mr. Snowman or something like that. And so then when I'm going through all my, you know, if I've got 100 uh, responses, 100 applications, very quickly, you know, in the summary that Upwork shows you, I can see it says, hello, Mr. Snowman, or dear Mr. Snowman. And then I, those are the ones that I go to. If it doesn't say that, and if it just says, you know, dear employer or whatever, I, they're gone. I don't even check them out because they didn't read the specifications. They didn't take the time to, to look into it. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. I just, they could be fantastic, but they didn't take the time to pay attention to the details of my request. So if they're not, if they're not gonna put uh, that effort when they're applying for the job, I can only imagine the lack of effort when they're actually doing the job, you know? Cool. Yep. Awesome. Well, that was a great question, Brandon. And also, Steve, that was, uh, both of your questions were good. I think that's going to conclude the Q&A. Um, for Steve, uh, I believe Steve has a, a YouTube channel. So if you guys want to check that out, um, go to YouTube and search for Raken Profit. It's R-A-I-K-E-N. Is that right? Is that how you spell it? I believe so, right? Yep. R-A-I-K-E-N Profit. Cool. And he also has a, a Periscope. So if you go over there and type in Raken Profit, you'll find him on there talking about how he's crushing it with retail arbitrage. And it's cool because we're going to see him now moving into private label, which allows you to scale like no other, right? So if he's doing good and, uh, or if he's doing well, did I say he's doing good? <laughs> he's, he is doing good. Yeah, if I'm doing good, I, I, in my... <laughs> so, I, know, I, I know I have English as a second language, but I don't think it's nice to mock people, man. Oh, come on. Especially, especially on the podcast. That's funny. Yeah, so um, yeah, check him out. Good guy. Well, uh, hopefully we'll see him uh, on our podcast during an interview process. And I'd like to, uh, like to see how his whole private label journey goes. That'll be cool. Yeah. Look yeah. That. Look okay. forward to seeing him succeed with that. Awesome. So shall we conclude it at these two? We, we were trying to keep uh, Q&As to about 10 minutes, a little bit, uh, 10 to 15, and we're, we're almost double that. So we'll move on to the next Q&A and get that episode out as well. Yeah. Well, well by, right. the, by the way, I guess I should mention, we're talking about Periscope. If you guys haven't, uh, haven't yet followed me on Periscope, head over to Periscope, get, uh, get the app. Um, head over there and then just do a search for Manny Coates. Look for the one that has a bunch of followers on there. I say a bunch because hopefully there'll be a bunch by the time you get there. But um, yeah, just join. The, the videos are awesome. The last one I did was, I thought, I'm going to tap myself on the back. It was, it was pretty good. I, I was drinking some wine and revealed some golden nuggets, I would say. And um, the videos stay on for 24 hours and then they're gone. So it's, you know, be there, interact or miss out. Yeah. So that's it. All right. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. Take care, you guys. Bye-bye.
You've been listening to the AM PM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider, insider tools, tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.